This is episode 253 of the Radio Impound Podcast. I don't know, did we uh <clears throat> did we count the watch along we did the other? No, I'm not counting the watch alongs. So that's really not an episode. Okay. It's fair. This is the post nationals edition, which was a very successful weekend for the J Concepts crew. Am I correct? Yeah, it was a successful nationals for the crew. I mean, we got a um, interestingly enough, I've Remember this week, uh, it was the same winners in the modified classes from the year before. So Dakota repeated in the stadium truck. Wow. Dakota, Dakota won um, two-wheel drive and Spencer won four-wheel drive. So the uh, the same three winners in the modified classes. We did have two new winners in 17.5 two-wheel buggy was uh, Doug LaRiviere. Yeah, we struggled with that name in a while. Hey, look who popped into the uh, the back room here. Yeah, Clayton Young popped in. He's there he is, El Presidente <laughs> of Roar. <laughs> What's up, Clayton? I, I was early. I was just going to sit backstage until it was time. <laughs> nah, we'll put you in right now. We'll let Jason finish up. Who cares? Jason was talking about the, all the success that we had over the weekend there. Yeah, it was I some mean, amazing was, racing for sure. Yeah, yeah, we had some a couple new a couple new winners. He uh, was trying to pronounce Doug's last name, which uh, I, I don't know how you do it, Clayton. All these names. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I we were, I had we were to doing ask a, him. To be honest, yeah. I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, even uh, even though like they'll tell me and I'll still forget or whatever, so I'm terrible with names. So I was like, oh, thank God, Clayton Young. That's that's pretty easy. So. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a. Uh, I think Doug won four wheel drive last year, and then obviously got the the two wheel. So, so are you guys um, live right now? Yes. Yeah, I just threw you right in. We're live. We're live. Oh, okay. Awesome. Sorry. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we got Clayton Young on here, the new president of Roar, and uh, how? Um, I guess we'll just kind of start. Um, but I mentioned to you earlier that we want to kind of go into and talk a little bit about the nationals that we've had so far this year. I believe your first one that you uh, were at was an on-road, and then we kind of got into some park it off-road, I believe. Might have a slight delay on his end. Is, is it me? Because uh, I lost Jason for a minute. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. I can, I can cord my connection if I need to to make sure it's stable but I would need like five minutes to go switch out. <laughs> okay. That, that's no problem. We'll let Jason uh, continue to brag. No, no, no. I okay. Was just, awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, if it's working right now, I'm fine with that, but right. We'll we'll let them, we'll let them update it. <clears throat> uh, Bill Collins is saying, was there any surprise finishes in your opinion, uh, in your opinion at the net? Let's see. We had the three mods. Well, um, there was a Michael Malott who was running the 40 plus two wheel drive class and he was extremely fast all weekend and in seating and qualifying, his lap times were amazing. Uh, Paul Wynn was kind of getting him on the consistency, uh, in the qualifiers. And I think Paul was kind of hoping to you know, uh, carry that into the main and that would benefit him in the main as well. And then Michael, I think 
put in his best run of the weekend. And uh, Gotti and I, we were watching that one together where he, he uh, was jumping that triple in front and got around uh, Paul and, uh, you know, it was just kind of only really a lap left. But I'd say that was, I'm not going to say a, really a big surprise, but I would say that was probably the only surprise that that I've had, I guess. The rest of them, you know, you got uh, Brendan Edwards, great driver, been around a couple races. He won 13-5 truck. And then um, Mason Templeman, we talked about him having the cool name. And uh, him winning short course, not really a surprise. He's been around many of our races he's been to, doing really well. Uh, uh, Doug uh, Riviere, tough one. <laughs> uh, him winning two-wheel, uh, obviously the battle there with Kyle uh, Go, And uh, that's not really a surprise to me, uh, those two, two drivers. But then um, – Nate Sutherland went in four wheel, uh, not a surprise on speed, but he actually did some really mature driving in that race, kind of winning it, I believe in the second two mains as opposed to, uh, the first two. Um, so hold on, just updating here. I thought it was cool seeing uh, chase Lemieux in the hunt. Yeah. No surprise winners other than, you know, like I mentioned that one with Michael kind of getting in there and, um, having a great race and uh, who else? And you mentioned Chase Lemieux who he, t- I believe he t- chased TQ'd both classes last year at the trackside race, um, the team associated race at trackside. So he's kind of blooming and uh, kind of progressing and uh, him getting second and four wheel. Uh, he was right up, you know, did a good job in two wheel mod truck so he's coming he, he I, like i mentioned on the live stream we were talking and he definitely is coming on it's going to be just a matter of time before he wins one of those roar nationals uh john lee saying the 13.5 short course mains were really good they were you know they had um i believe uh a little bit of back and forth doug won the first one uh, mason won the second one and the third one and uh, yeah, they were, and they were close. They were close races, and oh, you know, it, you know, we talk about short course all the time, obviously, but uh, it would be nice to see it a little more popular at a, on a racing side, <clears throat> you know, like it was many years ago. But there's nothing you can really do sometimes to either stop something from growing or bring it back once it's not as popular. But it was still nice to see there was drivers racing it and enjoying it. It's still a big class in terms of RC in general. It's still probably one of the best-selling vehicles. Still. Yeah, I think it's still one of the best-selling vehicles in RC. Uh, Obviously, the Traxxas Slash, you know, they've sold hundreds of thousands of those things. So... At least that's my prediction, and not to mention everybody else that's ever made one. Uh, so it's 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 still a big entry level class. We still sell our products for it; it does pretty well. Um, albeit, it's been a little while since we've updated some of them or a couple fresh things for SCT, but it's probably time for that. And I think we're still waiting on Clayton. See, uh, okay, hooking up his internet there. Perfect. Getting off the Wi-Fi. 
Yeah, so we just talked about the the three winners, uh, Dakota and Stadium Truck, Dakota and Two Wheel Buggy, which went to an A3, Four Wheel Mod uh, uh, was Spencer Rivkin, and then we had Doug who won 17.5, um, and then in uh, Stadium Truck we had Brendan Edwards in 13.5 Stadium Truck, and then Mason Templeman in the short course and Michael Malott. Uh, with the the masters win, I don't know if they were calling it forty plus or masters. I heard masters the whole weekend. Okay, so masters. You know they've, um, you know, last year, which was twenty twenty two, they those classes the forty plus were official Roar National Championship classes. This year they're not. Uh, what they're, they call them an exhibition? Yeah. Wow. And I think it was because. I believe Clayton told me this prior or something, but they have to be introduced as an exhibition first. The, going by the, the actual rules, I believe they have to be first introduced as an exhibition. Then they can make them official classes. So yeah, it's like the World Cup thing. There you go. Yeah. You're on it. I'm on so, it. Yeah. You're on it today. So, uh, yeah, that's the... Uh, that's, I think that's the deal there. Maybe next year we'll be back to, uh, you know, official roar classes. But, you know, I, I think when people do win them at, at this rate or right now, I think they still do feel that it's the same type of award. And, and I, I kind of agree. Um, and as Adam Rails mentioned, 13.5 truck was an exhibition for this race too. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're kind of, attempting to try a few things and maybe cycle in some new classes or cycle out some classes. So if you win, you can't claim you're, you're not a national champ in 13, five truck. Now. You can go home saying you are, but it's not I in the roar history. Believe, I believe so. Hmm. We can, okay. confirm, we can confirm with Clayton, but I, believe right. that oh. is, uh, I think Clayton's back here. There we go. Oh man! There's Clay. He's back. Sorry, I had to record it and repower my modem and put fuel in the router. Yeah, kick the cats off the line. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Now there's no delay now. So awesome. Awesome. Yep. Um, now we were just talking about the uh, expedition race, at like thirteen point five, and then what else did you say? Short course, Jason. Uh, 13.5 stadium truck, 40 plus. And yeah, we had some exhibition classes this year, right? Yeah. So what the, the idea was that we've kind of become everybody wins a trophy, um, thing. And it probably started an on road with them breaking up touring car and having stock super stock mod and then USGT and VTA all the same chassis kind of deal. Um, so what we did is we looked at attendance from the previous year's um, Nats and gauged that if you didn't have more than 10 in the class, then you're probably competing more locally than you are nationally. So um, good or bad, we tried to make a call to, to not spend um, a bunch of money on a class where there's only a couple, like maybe five, six people. Um, and then, you know, put the focus on the car, the classes that have, 30, 40 people in them um, to be national champions. You're competing against the best in the best of the country. 
Um, the the forty plus. Well, I, it benefits me to be a forty plus national champion. <laughs> it doesn't. I feel like you're not you're competing against the older guys. So there's something to be said um, if there's enough attendance, which I think there is an off road for the forty plus um, being a national champion. But are are you a national champion of the two wheel drive class in mod? You're not competing against the the really good guys are competing against the older guys. So sure. Maybe, I don't know. I, we're just trying to curtail adding more and more classes to a nationals and get the focus back on truggy or sorry, truggy buggy <laughs> two wheel drive, four wheel drive. <laughs> right. And the short course has been kind of dying um, really hard lately. So. Hmm. <clears throat> so to kind of recap, like we, we, we started a little while ago, we were talking about, uh, kind of your first year with Roar uh, as the president, and then kind of jumping in this year. I believe your first event this year was a was a carpet on road. Was that your first event this year? Yeah, that was carpet on road. And then we went to the carpet off road. Is that yep. was that your second? Okay, yep. so um, yeah, I guess so far let's uh, talk about kind of you know starting off at your first event, kind of some of those uh, highlights, and you know. Uh, some of the, a couple of the highlights of each one that you've kind of been involved with, you know, so far and, and, um, you know, maybe some of the good experiences that you've had doing this uh, so far. Yeah. For me, the good is way far outweighed any of the negative stuff that's going on. Uh, the on-road carpet was probably the biggest in 10, 15 years. A lot of it has to do with venue, of course. And, you know, me being an on-road guy, everybody's like, okay, finally, we've got somebody we know that we race with every weekend. Let's go support them and have a good time. And it it got huge quick, and it was a lot of fun. There was tons of great racing. Um, really not – no no big issues. Um, the, the coverage, we got Live RC to start doing more of like a NASCAR coverage instead of here's your nerd stats at the top and – Kind of thing. Hmm. Get some driver pictures, driver names. Yeah, like we're that. covering them. Let's 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 make this feel more in touch. And so I started doing interviews so people could see the drivers, not ju- not just a car that's going around a track, but get some FaceTime with the people who are actually doing this. And hey, I've raced against him, you know, kind of deal. And yeah. so um, it, it went fairly well. It took a while to get that going because that was the first race with live RC trying to implement um, the name boxes and driver pictures. And, and we were doing it on the fly and they did a, a good job by the main time of being able to post that stuff as it's happening and put the, the titles and stuff up that I thought that was fairly good. That's um, a great idea. Yep. We kept that going to the off-road carpet race. Um, we got a little more inventive cause Keenan showed up and <laughs> we was able to do some of the interviews, but I was yeah. also racing so that was extremely crazy to try and run two wheel drive, four wheel drive, and do interviews. I literally what? didn't see my cars, and like I'd work on them. I'd get there an hour before everybody got there. I'd, I'd wrench on them, and then I'd go do all the stuff and do my run. There was one time where I did an interview, had to sprint back across the track, and <laughs> somebody dropped my buggy down just so I could run my qualifier. It got kind of crazy. Um, but when wow. Keenan showed up, it made it uh, a little bit better. Yeah. And then he had to go before all the mains were done. But uh, I, I feel like getting um, 
uh, the people that are watching the broadcasts or even watch the recordings later, having that FaceTime and, and you know, Nate drivers that you know that are your local drivers getting some FaceTime, I feel like that helps the sport um, grow and put more people in touch and maybe more people want to come to nationals. <clears throat> so you kind of got it going there at the carpet race. And uh, just to kind of give um, me an idea, um, I don't know if you know off, off the top of your head, but what, what were the classes that you offered there at that, at the carpet nationals? I don't know if you so remember. We had stock yeah. and mod, two wheel drive, four wheel drive. No, no. I mean in the, the carpet uh, on road one. So in carpet on road, we had 12 scale stock, super stock, and mod. And then we had touring stock, super stock, and mod. And we made USGT, VTA, and GT12 all exhibition classes. So we basically had six championship classes, which were our core work your way to worlds classes. And then we had the funster or the, you know, the, the get into the sport a little bit slower classes um, be the exhibition. And their attendance was actually really well. Like I believe there was 30 to 40 in at least USG and VT, USGT and VTA. And then GT12, I'm pretty sure had it A, B, and C. So they had a lot of numbers in those classes. What was, you know, out of those, you know, you, you've raced quite a few of them. What's your favorite out of those different ones that you run there? So I kind of cut my teeth on VTA and USGT. Um, so those uh, used to be my favorite, but I kind of got shamed out of them. And <laughs> had to start running touring car uh, because uh, once it, and it's not fun for most people, unless you're at a big race um, to have somebody just be a lot faster than anybody else. So it, it wasn't bad. It was good because it made me work on my stuff. Touring car is much more difficult to drive and get set up. So um, it forced me to, to get better in that. And um, it kind of all just kind of clicked all around, I believe it was 2019. I took a TQ in touring. I went to the Reedy race and got second. And I was just like, oh, I can drive. <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> wow. I never experienced that. <laughs> and, you know, so obviously the carpet, you know, the carpet on road, uh, where was that event at? That was at EA's track in Memphis, Tennessee, or okay, uh, okay. Nashville, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And then we moved over to Beach Line. Yep. Uh, we ran the carpet off-road dance, which, um, you know, what's really difficult to judge here that's uh, not sidetracking too much, but I know we were leading up to a lot of these events, many of them. Um, what I noticed is it's it's really hard to get people to pre-register for these races and it really makes it very confusing for everybody. I think that's either preparing or trying to get into them because lots of times people pile in in numbers, right? So then if they look at things and it doesn't look that great, they may shy away or you may be attract a couple guys that are trophy hunting, but um, it, you know, by and large, I think people do look at those numbers, but, but then the race comes along, you know, I'm thinking at beach line and it ended up being a very, I thought it was a very successful event. And I want to say um, the entries outweighed what maybe there was the year before at Northwest. I can't remember exactly. It wasn't Definitely like, did. it was like in the 160 to 180 range. I don't remember exactly. I, I think at the Florida race, we got over 200. 
by by the time yeah. we started racing. I don't think we had pre-registered that many. Right. Um, but or if we did, they like the last week there was like this huge surge of of entries, which were like from a get the get ready to host the race. Um, it makes it difficult if you don't have a good idea on what the final number is going to be, because then you, we don't know if we're sending too little, or too many people. Um, we don't always have the awards for all the mains. If we get 10, 15 drivers that sign up at the last second, then, you know, the top three for the D or E main may not have those trophies. So we'll, we'll go out of our way and, and have our trophy guys send them an award if they want one um, at the race, but it's not quite the same as being able to hand them something as yeah. they finish kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you talked earlier, you did a lot more with, you know, being, uh, having the race live. Uh, you did a lot more talking with the racers and the interviews after each. Uh, you obviously were really busy with that when I was at Beachline, uh, you know, getting down there on the track and interviewing people after qualifiers, after mains and stuff. And, and that was nice because it was, it's, it's live. And uh, like you said, it gives those those drivers a little bit of a shout out. And if there's anybody watching that, you know, friends, family, you know, there's always something people throw in the comments, like, you know, uh, which makes it kind of a little bit more of a community, I guess. And, uh, you know, they're at Beachline, like you said, and I think getting those pre-entries is always, you know, to us kind of pre pretty critical, you know, when we do the events we do, because you look at that, right. And you're, you're trying to determine what am I preparing for? And we were a little concerned about the beach line, but then it kind of kicked in there at the end. And I felt like it was a really good event. I raced myself. I ran the, um, you know, the, the masters or the 40 plus, <laughs> 40 plus, whatever yeah, I we're calling myself it. In there. <laughs> and, um, and then we had the, you know, I did two wheel mod cause I was out there, but um, you know, like I talked to people earlier about these races and I felt like I got to practice a lot. I felt like I got on the track many times. I felt the four qualifiers was really nice. Uh, the tech was, I felt was really easy going. You know, I mentioned that to you. It was kind of a little nicer, softer technical inspection, which I thought was easy to get through, easy to get on the track. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, is, you know, a lot of track time I felt for qualifiers and, and then the mains, I thought it was a, a really good experience as a racer. And I kind of felt like, you know, like, you know, we got up to close, like you said, close to 200 there in the end, but I kind of felt like people that didn't go kind of missed a, a, a nice laid out event. Yeah. And that was my hope. No matter how many people we had attend, if we put on a good event and we take care of the people that are there, they'll spread the word because RC's a bunch of word of mouth anyways. Um, and then for next year, we'll get better tracks that want to host and more people that want to come. And eventually we can get to where regionals mean something. So you qualify through a regional to get to nationals and oh, like kind of just snowball and keep working its way to make the community itself bigger and bigger and more professional and help the younger kids or even just newer people coming into the sport, learn what to do and get better and get faster. Yeah. And I mean, I, I thought it was a, a really good experience. I thought we had obviously some really great racing there. Uh, you did, you know, kind of loaded up on the media a lot more uh, through roars uh, channels and, you know, kind of were able to promote a lot of the racers that were having success in all the mains. Uh, and, and I thought that was pretty neat. And, uh, 
that was a good, you know, a, a big improvement over where we had been, you know, several years past where we were lucky to be live at the right time or having the, the coverage or any interviews or, you know, it, it felt like a little bit more direction going on there. And in terms of the, the coverage, and then we got into tech as a racer, I felt like in tech, they were helping me go through tech instead of more like almost trying to find something wrong. You know, that like, is definitely the direction. I, instead of trying to find a reason to disqualify somebody, if you see something, tell them what they need to do to make it better so that they can race. I want, I really don't want people not being able to get on the track. If somebody comes up with a super hot pack, you know, and, you know there's no time or whatever, then okay. You know, there's certain situations you can't avoid, but for the most part, no, nobody's coming up there on purpose to do something wrong. So let's, let's get them through and, and make sure that they've got everything right when they get on the track. So, you know, I, you know obviously I, I was able to experience that one personally. Uh, where did you go from there? Was the fuel nats next or did you have another one in between there? Uh, paved nets. Okay. Uh, in Florida. Yep. Okay. Was that in Coral Springs, right? That was, yep. That was Coral Springs. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. I don't want to say a thousand times, but it's probably definitely 900. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we raced over there at the, at the off-road track primarily. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, man, what the heck? Yeah. I didn't I mean, realize there's that much of an honor. Oh, you got guy. the slash. <laughs> Yeah, and we were over there at the off-road track most of the time. And, I mean, I've uh, we were reviewing an old car action. Uh, this was maybe maybe a week ago, Gotti and I, and, and they had an article on the Coral Springs RC Club from, you know, it was like 1991 or something. And it's in that same part, that same location. That track is in the same location as it was back then. And, you know, you go through those neighborhoods there. Right. You know, it looks like you're, you're thinking – there's no track here. What is this? there's no track here, you know, and then you turn, you know, and all of a sudden you're in this, you know, there's a big trees and big bushes and pretty soon you're, there's a track right there. So uh, yeah, we've been going there forever and it was kind of cool that they had the on-road race there. Um, although I think this is probably one of the, that was probably one of the smaller turnout races. Yeah, so definitely was. And I'm not exactly sure why the turnout was low, maybe time of year. Cause usually it's a July race. And so it was fairly early. It was a May race. Um, and it was on Memorial day weekend, which mm-hmm. people have plans. Mm-hmm. So, um, probably time, uh, time of year and specific date, which is something we got to work on going forward with these nationals. We don't want to be going to Arizona when it's baseball springtime and everybody's got to pay $400 a, a night for a room. Like, when is the best time for all the people to get there and not have to spend an arm and a leg? They're already going to spend an arm and a leg already with tires or whatever they're, they're have to do just to get a room and, you know, getting there planes, whatever. So we, we got to do a better job of making sure that we're in the place we want to be at the best time for everybody. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, on road is really big in Florida in general over the years. I mean, they've had they have the longest running state series, I think, of all states. Um, I don't remember what Paul was telling me. It's like forty years or something like that. They've wow. had a, a state series in Florida. There's, you know, I'd say 
I would say a good portion of the Roar Nationals the last probably 10 or 20 years have probably been in Florida. There's been a bunch of them here, the paved ones. And, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of good tracks. I think the, um, so they must, they must obviously always apply, right? They, right. They, you know, the, you get a lot of uh, applications from tracks in Florida. And, and I guess it's probably part of it is because of that state series we have here is very popular and they feel like, Hey, on road should be here in Florida. And they, they do, um, you know, over the years, they seem to have quite a few of them here, but you know, yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer, but like you said on the turnout, but like you said, there was a lot of factors going on there and just sometimes it's a hit or miss type of thing. Right. Yep. So same classes at the paved as the carpet on road nationals, or was there any differences? So there was not 12 scale cause there's usually not 12 scale outside. Okay. It's kind of died off the last few years. Um, <laughs> but they did run GT12. They did run VTA. They added a front-wheel drive USGT um, and a regular USGT. But at that race, most of those classes were less than 10 cars. It was a touring car, had stock, super stock, and mod. And those, I believe those were awful. I know in, I ran stock, um, and there was definitely an A and a B uh, I don't think S- Superstock might have had an A and a B. Um, same with Mod, but if it was a B, it wasn't a full B. If if it was a full a full or a, if there was a, a B. So when there's stock and Superstock, is stock seventeen five and Superstock thirteen five? No, stock is twenty one five. Superstock okay. is seventeen five. Okay, and that's kind of across the board in all the on road classes. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then there isn't any 13.5 classes then? or is- No. When I first kind of got into RC seriously uh, eight years ago, it seemed like it was 17.5 and 13.5. But now, if I think about it, seven or 21.5s are probably two laps faster than a 17.5 from 18 years ago or from eight years ago. The, the 21.5 motor work has gotten ridiculous to where it's only a few tenths off of a 17.5. It's pretty crazy. It is, and you know what? We're we're seeing a lot of a lot more twenty one five entries and, and racers wanting to do it also on on the off road side and the races that we do. You know, we we had it actually was a control motor class for several years. We did with Hobby Wing, where uh, Ron Sure attended the races, you know, with us and, and handed out you know uh, the motors to the racers for the twenty one five class. Um, now we just, you know, cause we kind of coined this term indie, uh, which we use on our, on our events and our series for independent racers. And at first we did 21 five for that. And now we're doing 17 five just to make it a little easier. And we don't have to do the motor handout, but, um, I was just curious as, you know, just to make sure on the naming, how you guys named it and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just stock, super stock and mod. Uh, I would, it would be nice to be able to have a spec motor that people weren't able to mess around with um, idea or maybe make stock so slow that the sponsored guys don't run it. Um, mm-hmm. But like it, that we're, idea. we're not, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. I've talked with some motor manufacturers about 
slower than 25.5 motors. Um, and I know one of them's working on something, but it's not out there yet. And I don't know how uh, adjustable it would be. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the on-road's kind of been famous for that over the years is a lot of stepping down happens in that class. You know, it's like, you know, it used to be, you know, you were modified and they're like pretty soon they were running stock you know, everybody's running stock and mod. And then it's like you invent another class and then they, you know, they, they drop again. You're like, man, we don't want everybody in this class. Like it's, right. know, it's supposed to be, you know, it's like, you know, it's great that you want to race so much, but it's like, we're trying to like kind of control and, and leave an entry level style of class is the way we look at it when we do our races. But yeah. Um, Larry, so if I race one of your races, would I, I guess I wouldn't be an indie. I would just be stock. Yeah, I mean, if you were unsponsored, you would you would race in indie. If 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 you are sponsored, then you would race in the seventeen five or thirteen five class. I definitely want to get to one of those races. They look like they're so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, we can kind of go into that a, a little bit later, but it, it is it's it's different. We've been doing them a long time now, also, and. Um, we've tried to experiment over the years with the classes, with the motors, uh, you know, do different things, but, and, and right along, you know, and Roar obviously doing a lot of experimentation, you know, with trying to lock these classes down. What are true national championship classes? What are classes that are true, fun, fun, but filler, you know, adds people, adds racers. It's always a fine line, but um, yeah. But, um, you know, Larry Tom, who owns Hobby Action, where the world's obviously is here in about a month, is uh, at his track, 21.5. The lock timing, he said, is is huge. That's somewhere that I've noticed that has done really, really well with having that uh, 21.5 as part of his club level racing. What, What motor is that, do you know? We'll have to ask him which locked twenty one five he's using. I I'm not exactly sure if he's using a hobby wing or or whatever, but he'll he'll uh, comment here. I need to call him anyways because we both have so many questions uh, about that race because we haven't gotten very many responses from Ifmar. So like I feel like him and I are just going to have to bang out the details, and when Ifmar yeah. shows up, we'll we'll recover whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a whole conversation unto itself. But um, you know, I know they're 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 full throttle forward. You know, Larry did a video with Jake a couple weeks ago. I know Paul kind of updated me on he watched that one and you know what they're doing there in the facility and getting ready and and um, I mean everybody's excited. Um, you know, uh, you know to to attend. Um, so there you go. So Larry comments that they allow the hobby wing reedy and much more with a fixed gear ratio. So, uh, and they're all the same timing. So yeah, so it has a fixed gear ratio. My guess is they're the same timing. And so I, I don't know. He, it's I didn't even know there's that many fixed timing motors. That's <laughs> awesome. So obviously he's they got a, a system that's working for him. So that's yeah. nice to know. Um, yeah. So. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of commenting here that it's, my guess is, uh, it's not exactly as easy as it sounds, but, <laughs> uh. but yeah. Um, 
And I can imagine it's anytime you're dealing with power in RC, um, it's kind of a mess. Uh, so, uh, you know, (laughs) I kind of joke about this sometimes. I'm like, you know, the most powerful vehicles in RC in general are the best sellers in the basher market, right? It's like the most powerful cars you can buy are the most popular. And, um, and then once, for some reason, once we get to racing, people like to take power out and, <laughs> and race. And you're like, okay, so in general, when people buy a car, they buy the fastest thing they can get. If it says 65 or 85 miles an hour on the box, that's the ones, like, if you look at Traxxas, you know, and yeah. these other Arma and all these companies that sell mega, mega amounts of RC cars, the fastest ones do really, really well. And then you get to racing and for some people, and for some reason, people are like, Oh, that's too fast for me. I got to run 21 five. You're like, okay, yeah, I get it. So while mods kind of scary, especially if you run stock a lot, like hmm? you put that mod motor in and you go to hit the throttle and you're like, ah, well, I'm going to hit the wall. But I've started running it uh, in touring car at our track just to get me better at stock even. And it really, isn't as scary. I mean, you typically don't hit as much stuff because you're not driving so aggressively in every corner, um, at least for me. Um, And it's never too much power if you just don't pull the throttle all the way. (laughs) Right. So we'll move on from the the paved NAS. We get into the fuel NAS, which I think, I believe was the next one. And at Chico, uh, Chico, California there in I mean, from my perspective, I thought it was awesome. Like, I mean, that was definitely one of my favorite events of the year. Again, <clears throat> you guys went with – in this this race always seems to do the best ter- yep. in terms of uh, it, it sells out usually. Uh, people sign up ahead of time. Right. Um, it seems like as far as the way you want them to go, the fuel gnats always seems to be the one that – checks a little few more of the boxes like, okay, you know, this, this is a little going a little more according to plan. Yeah, definitely. It, it went well. And actually everybody was so nice when I got there, I kind of expected wow. um, a little more, not hostility, but like skepticism, but right. like I did that driver's meeting and everybody applauded and cheered. And I was like, Whoa, like, wait a yes. second. Yes. What is that? <laughs> Drivers being everybody's supposed to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, stupid rules. But I mean, it, it really went well because I think Mayfield asked, like, what about headlights and taillights? I'm like, we're not doing the stupid rules anymore. We'll suggest them, but we're not going to disqualify for aesthetics. That's just silly. Yeah. So that's probably where you got your big applause, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was after the whole meeting, but yeah, that probably helped a lot. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Going back before we get into that, when we used to, this was before a lot of people, but there used to be a Norca Nationals, right? There was another sanctioning body in RC called Norca. So there was Roar and Norca. So um, when we would do those Nationals, they had a guy that ran them. His name was J.R. Sitman. And obviously there was a lot that he was doing at the time that was a little ahead of his time. And they were big events too. We would do five, six, seven hundred entry races for Norca back in the in the kind of early nineties. And but he was really famous for his drivers' meetings because he would, you know, 
kind of be a dick to people at times. Like he would, <laughs> so he would do like you're talking about. He would get on the driver's stand and start going through his spiel on what the race, you know, the rules and the race. And if he's, if people were talking out on the track, he would stop like a and, teacher. And he, yeah. And he would look at him and he would say, are you guys finished? <laughs> and Love and it. exactly like the teacher thing, right? Yeah. You got to do that Clayton next time. And uh, you guys finish. It was just hilarious. And I mean, you got up, you know, it got to the point where you're like, man, I don't want to be called out. You know, I'm not, yeah, yeah. You know, when my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. <laughs> There you go. Do that one, Clayton. <laughs> so, <laughs> write that one down. Yeah, please do that one at one of these races for me. So yeah, that that's funny because that kind of reminded me of that. But yeah, they were good events back then. We had some great nationals there too. But it was comp- but it was definitely different than Roar. Um, but it just yeah, your drivers uh, meeting thing reminded me of that. But yeah, so anyway, um, you said you were surprised by the uh, the the turnout the 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 you know, the hospitality and the racers kind of being nice. Yeah. I, I had almost every big name driver came up and said they really appreciated what we've been doing and how the events have been going and how they've been treated. And so I, it, I, I had some track owners come up and say, you know, I've never wanted to host a war race and I always hated war, but right now I would go out of my way to get a winning bid for one of these races. And I mean, that means a lot to me. That means that, you know, we're not going to be forced to, Hey, this is the only track to bid on this. So here we go. Like yeah. no real choices, but this is, yeah, this should be giving us a lot more choices and that'll be better for racers in general to be able to go to the big tracks that are hosting all these big races and big events and have the, that support. You know, and you know, we did a, you know, you kind of got everybody together there. We did a little bit of a manufacturer's, uh, meeting there at, at the race, we, you know, everybody kind of gets together and talks a little bit, you know, the manufacturers and then you were in there and, and some of the guys representing roar, obviously the lots of things kind of get sidetracked and everybody sometimes gets off topic and they, they're always a little bit of a mess, but, um, but in general, you wanted to hear from, you know, the, the manufacturers or the team managers about how the race was going kind of, touch base, you know, you kind of reestablished your email address list and tried to make sure, you know, the, the guys that want to stay in touch can stay in touch with you, which I thought was good. And um, then just the race itself, to me, I've heard other racers talk about, you know, different things. And, and you know, to me, what st- stuck out was uh, the 10-minute qualifiers and buggy, the, the warm-ups, there was a true warm-up. Uh, you know, the drivers could send their cars out, do a warm-up, refuel, and then there was the 10-minute qualifiers, which for most, everybody but Adam Drake, um, <laughs> basically has to do a pit stop. And, I mean, I thought that was great. I thought everybody got a lot of practice uh, on the track. I thought everybody got a ton of track time, especially in the buggy class, doing those 10-minute qualifiers. Most people doing a pit stop, they got their their pit person involved. And to me, I thought that was a big success because what I hear a lot of times at these events is, you know, and, and everybody runs them. They're popular events. We've sponsored them forever, the race time events, but it's only five minutes. 
you know, you're, you're on the track and, and this is because of the turnout, you know, you, if you have 700 entries, you can't give everybody 10 minutes on the track. Right. So you'd never, yeah. you'd never get through a, a, a yeah. race. The time's got to come from somewhere. And so, so you guys did the 10 minute qualifiers and we were still getting done at a reasonable time every night. I want to say it was six o'clock. We were getting done. We had, um, the first night was a little bit late because we had to get in some seating and practice and okay. because we started the event a day late. So we tried to make up for lost time, but most days we were done six, six thirty somewhere around there. Yeah. And that was great. I mean, the, the racers that are there, they got the practice, they got the 10 minute qualifiers, they got a real warm up uh, to, to run the cars a couple laps, come in, refuel, get out there and done by, like you said, six, six thirty, And, so I thought that was a big success, you know, from my standpoint, I didn't race, but while I was there, the kind of track that it was and the type of event that it was, it appealed to me as a, as a racer and not as a spectator and a racer. Yeah. And, the, and they had good spectator areas too. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the comments that I got weren't um, not from the big name guys, but the, the guys that would go to a wicked weekend or an AMS, they were like, this is hands down the best race I've been to all year, like in in a, in a year's time. We got so much track time and everything kept on like kept on schedule, and we weren't running in the midnight hours and it, like all the po- stuff you were just pointing out. It it was said by a lot of the younger guys too, because while I was marshalling down on the track, uh, I would ask some of the guys on the track, "Hey, what do you think?" And a lot of them, I never got a negative comment. All of them were super positive and appreciated that, that whole track time. Yeah. And then you did, you know, you obviously ran the, you know, we, we run the ladder format in eight scale buggy um, <clears throat> it, at that event where you do the, you know, the bump ups, uh, not the traditional ABC finals. You know, we do the, the ladder system with the quarterfinal, semifinal, a final and, 30 minute semifinal, one hour a final. Uh, it's always the great tune up uh, for the guys that you know potentially could run and go to a world. Um, but and it's there's a lot of general excitement there. You know when you kind of um, you know when I've been to the worlds, I've explained to people this is a program that that ramps up as the event goes on. So that's the way it's designed is is it ramps up you know so you start off you got your practice and then you you know you get into qualifying and you get into uh the, the you know this different events and then there's the mains then you start bumping up towards the top of the field to the point where it's semifinal and there's nothing like the time period between the semifinal and the a finals where the drivers are preparing there's sort of a little bit of um, you know, uh, you know, anticipation about getting those cars back out there. And then you, you start your 60 minute final, which is supposed to be the highlight of the weekend. Right. Um, we're also thinking about taking some of the stuff that uh, I don't know if they're doing it if or not, but like the LCQ mm-hmm. to bridge that hour long gap that we have of dead time. We yeah. can, put an LCQ in there and, and have those people bump. They won't get a full hour, but they'll yeah. get to make the A. <laughs> like, And it'll be a little more entertainment value for everybody there watching. 
Yeah. So, you know, when, you know, right now, I, I believe you ran a, was it a 15 and under kind of a young guns kind of class, right? Yeah, we made it 16 because there wasn't that many entries. So, so I think we ended with 12 by adding the 16 year olds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and we're going to keep that. Like, I want to make a, a junior main where they don't have to pay for anything. They just, you know, they're going to run their main as and be a junior champion, kind of make that like a standard thing. It kind of seems silly that we had a juniors class that would pay, make them pay whatever, $7,500 for, and they're 15 years old or less trying to learn how to do this. So um, I'd like to make that a more standard thing where we're kind of promoting sport and getting things out there. I've also talked to some tracks about having uh, a, not a practice, like a demo um, area for spectators so they could, you know, run a slash around and have a circle with a jump or whatever, just so they could get that experience and not just see it, but do it kind of deal. So hopefully we can incorporate some of that, some of the races next year. Yeah. I mean, obviously that'd be, that'd be really fun to incorporate in and, you know, and I, you know, I had a, I had a blast doing that event there. And so then we kind of moved on, um, you know, we had, I was probably the highlight, I would yeah. say, uh, yeah. to the year so far, the fuel mass, obviously good, you know, good winning, good racing, you know, the came down to the end there in Truggy. And, and uh, so we had some good finals, junior final. And then, you know, we kind of, we rolled in, I guess the E-Nationals was next, right? Yep. E-Nats was next. And again, that was, uh, I think we had 78 pre-registered oh. and we ended with 138. So almost doubled the entries at the track. Wow. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. it because it's expensive to pay all the late fees. But for <laughs> some people it works, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, obviously that was there at, you know, uh, Frank Calandra's track in Rome, New York. First time I'd ever been um, to that area of New York before, uh, you know, I told them I was kind of guilty of the, when people say, Hey, I'm from New York, you just think they're like from Manhattan. Right. Right. Um, But obviously you go into that area as a beautiful drive from where I was to get over there. And then for whatever reason, we had like amazing weather that weekend. It was. was. There was no heat whatsoever. It was amazing. Yeah, the, the, all the, you know, we had these indoor pit spots that Frank had reserved for me and Hannah and the several others that paid to be in there. But, you know, the other, you know, I told Mayfield and the guys, I'm like, well, you can pit inside if you want. And he's just like, it's awesome outside. I'm just going <laughs> to. And we missed really the weather. There was, yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't like 110 degrees for Mayfield. Yeah. I <laughs> he mean, probably loved it. Yeah, he said it was like 115 or 18 at home in Arizona. He gets there and it was like 79. So, you know, there at the E-Nationals, like you said, the entries doubled uh, compared to pre-entries, which was kind of frustrating for us too because we were trying to prepare and we're trying to look at the entries. And um, and again, when I got there, uh, like you said, I got greeted by every single person that was from CRC, from Frank to his wife, to everybody that was there and Mark <laughs> making sure that we were, uh, you know, people were parked in the right place. They had the tents up there on the Hill. Uh, they wanted to, you know, to kind of organize the pits. They had the, the tents that they set up for the racers that uh, needed some outdoor pitting. 
and then, you know, some, several people brought their own tents and, uh, it was kind of a nice little atmosphere there around the track. Yeah. Uh, it, it was nice. Um, it was uh, kind of like the whole off-road nitro scene where they have, everybody's got their campers and tents and you can walk through and say hi to people. I mean, ten, generally when I go to a race, I try and find the team principals and at least see how they're feeling, bounce some ideas for the future off them, get some temperatures and make sure everything's going well. And that was, I mean, like you said, the weather was amazing. So you literally didn't sweat to death or anything and you could just walk from low C to associated to X-ray to techno, like everybody was just like in a nice little flow. Yeah. You know, and we, you know, what I noticed, you know, another thing we got there is I know, um, you know, Ryan obviously working close with Mayfield all the time, but you know, he, he wasn't really happy with his last couple of races. He ran an e-buggy. So for that race, he pretty much built a completely stock a car again, went with a different battery pack configuration and he kind of needed some time on the track. He, he wanted some runs to kind of figure out a little more what he was doing with his e-buggy program. And I kind of felt like he, he got a little bit of a benefit of the, the way the program was there because there was extra time. Um, you know, there was plenty of practice. He got plenty of practice on the track with the e-buggy he didn't start off that great. Um, he wasn't all that happy getting started. And then kind of there was a little bit of time where you could get on the track each time tr- between trying car stuff, tire stuff, to the point where he was able to kind of peek out in the main events. And, you know, he got that e-buggy win, um, which I know the techno guys were excited about. But had it been a little bit smaller or a little um, shorter qualifiers or less practice, I don't think he would have been able to pull that off. And it was, I thought it was kind of nice. There was a little longer, I believe it was seven minutes. There? Seven minutes. Yep. Seven minute qualifiers and, and did, that was a triple seven minute mains, right? Yep. Uh, which, you know, I think, you know, Ryan's run almost every one of the E nationals. And I know there's been a few of them that were 10 minutes uh, at times, but uh, the seven seemed like a pretty nice balance. Uh, and if you had more entries, you could still probably get everybody through. Yeah. Um, I kind of based the seven off of the temperature of talking to some of the manufacturers and what we had done, I think the year prior. Um, so it, it, and I think in our rules, it says five to 10 minutes. So it was definitely in the middle of that. And like you said, nobody had any issues. The weather wasn't super hot. So people weren't overheating anything. Um, things just, again, went fairly well. Yeah. And uh, obviously they, you know, they kind of had a, um, they're at a CRC raceway, the, the way the track was constructed and they're sort of their neighbors around there. I know that they were really concerned about the dust there. They had to kind of keep their watering uh, on schedule or at least doing it at night, or they had some concerns about dust from their neighbors. So they tried to keep some water on there, but, did you work with those guys much on you know what they needed to do the track or you just kind of let them do what they needed to do? So we talked to them prior um, and then let them like we ran around and then they would treat the track and then they we would run another round and they would treat the track. Um, they would let us know if they thought something was 
going away or, or jump needed any repair, but it, uh, probably because of the weather without it being blazing hot, the track kind of retained its natural moisture or, or traction throughout the run. So it didn't become any kind of an issue. And, you know, and it was more of a traditional, I mean, it's, it sucks to say it's hard to figure out the right way to say it, but it was more of a traditional dirt off-road track, right? Like it was that outdoor um, dirt from New York there that they uh, probably is just in the ground. It's not brought in or specially prepared. It's kind of rolled out and they keep it watered and a little bit of a, what people say online, the old school dirt, right? Yeah. The crossover made me a little nervous, but the dirt itself, you know, I mean, it was, it was like the dirt I would play with in Northern California. It was just dirt. Like there was nothing special about it. It wasn't red clay. It was just dirt. It would break up and, you know, they pat it back down and water it and make it not all rooty. So, uh, you know, obviously we got the, there we just had uh, eight scale buggy, uh, eight scale truck. And then we had a couple exhibition classes there too. Do um, talk about some of those. Yeah, I'm trying to read. We have over 40. Buggy and truck, right? There was like a master's. Yeah, master's for both of them. Um, we had some other classes, but again, with it, it was the um, 10th scale truggy thing that they were going to try and run, but there was only like three entries. Yeah. So going up there, like we, we had to make a decision. Are we going to hope that people show up or whatever? And, and that was kind of a... I, I probably should have talked to Garland a little bit more. Who's our off-road guy, vice president um, before just making a call. Um, but with the low entries, I made a call and it wasn't the most popular, but it, it worked out and we learned and, you know, we'll try and do better next time. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the reality is, is, you know, sure. You're staring at three entries and it's like, and then you have people, once you cancel it, they say, oh, I was going to run that class. Or it's like, well, we kind of like to hear a little more from you if you're going to run the class and we need to pump it up, right? We, right. There needs, some, needs to be some entries in there. Uh, you can't just decide you're going to show up. And um, and you're because the reality is, is you're trying to get that class going. You want, right. you want entries. The, you don't, it's not that you don't want to to eliminate these classes, what you want is you want entries in them. And if, and if drivers aren't going to commit to racing it, signing up and going, then you're not going to just keep having it on the entry form every single time. Right. It's exactly right. If there, if there's not enough entries um, and a track doesn't request to run the class, we won't even offer it. Like we're, we're going off of, you know, status from the last couple nets if there's been less than 10 last two nats, the track doesn't see it as a local class that they, they would get entries for, then we probably won't even offer it. Most of the time we offer our championship, our world championship classes and what the track suggests as other classes and then look at what the attendance has been and then, you know, put that on the flyer. <clears throat> so, you know, overall, like you said, the, the entries kind of, you know, came in a little higher at the end. Uh, we had the, the early days, I think we were almost getting done about four thirty-five there. Yeah, we, we were done pretty soon, right? Yep. And we, I think, for fuel nets, we, I don't believe we had practice rounds in the morning because we we're running such long races and we had warm ups before the races. 
you know, they had at least their, the two minute rocket round was their two minutes of warm up before the race. And then they can make any adjustment and do the race. Um, but there we did that two minute warm up, I believe in the mornings and then ran rounds and we were done fairly early with the, I think it was 138 entry count on that one. And, you know, I think in general, you know, the, the, the year previous to that at, at Garland's track, the entries kind of came in late there too, but it was somewhere similar there, right? It was the 130, 140 range, I think. Yeah. And they were competing with the Visions first time race. So yeah. drivers were trying to figure out how do I go to Nats and run the Visions and bounce back and forth. And so it made it very difficult. So this time we made sure we didn't you know, like put anything on top of each other. Yeah. Um, but it was still, there was a big race at LCRC that yeah. might've kept some of the local or the, the non-national drivers in that area. Um, so, uh, one of those things that we got to make sure we do is have the off-road people as part of the art of part of the committee. So when we're making these date calls, some can say, Hey, wait, wait, no, that's when DNC is there. You know, right. is that weekend. Like we can't be doing something like that. So we don't make. Uh, races on top of other big races. So, you know, now we kind of roll, roll into the most recent one, uh, which I've been, I've been to three Roar Nationals this year. I didn't attend this one uh, that was just happened over the weekend. And, uh, you know, really I, I wanted to set up because um, Mayfield was going to go to the Mugen challenge at LCRC, which right. is this, this week. So I, you know, I talked to our crew and I was like, well, you guys go do the roar 10 scale mats. Um, Paul decided he was going to run uh, in the masters. You know, Tyler hooks, he ran the 17, five, We got Hannah there doing our media media as usual. So, you know, we still had what we were talking about earlier was our three headed monster <laughs> of, uh, from J concepts there. But um, so, you know, I stayed back, watched it online, which is actually kind of a nice experience because I got to see the interviews you're talking about. I got to, you know, kind of watch the, um, we were giving the cameraman a little bit of a hard time watching because of the, they had the low views, right? Yeah. yeah we got to work on when to use camera. those. Well, it looked like because at the driver's stand, it was getting out of range. So you had to put that camera in the corner, I think. But yeah, every time I, mean, I went to the corner, every time I went to the corner, the camera a little bit too. Like they have the zoom thing on their, on their. On their, I guess <laughs> it looked like it was just too close to like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. every time I went to that corner view, I lost. I was like, wait, where am I? At? <laughs> like when it came back, yeah. you know, I was like, uh, is this the leader? What's going on? So yeah. what we did is you know, Gotti and I jumped on. I think we did, um, what was it? Friday that we did. We did Friday, uh, pod Saturday, Saturday, Friday yeah. and, 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 or was it Saturday, Sunday? I can't remember now. Sunday. We did, we did no, the two, Sunday, the mains, the watch along. Well, yeah, we did the watch along on Sunday uh, for the mains. So, you know, we ran your broadcast from Live RC. You know, so we watched all the interviews. We watched, you know, the entire event basically uh, online, which was kind of nice because we were able to, you know, really just kind of experience it as somebody would be watching at home instead of normally I'm there, you know, in right. person. So you don't see you were kind of doing the Peyton and Eli thing. You were doing your own broadcast uh, or announcing of the race. So we got dual broadcast. We should have yeah. streamed both of those side by side. Yeah. Yeah. Silent, yeah. Silent screen. So I hope I don't get in trouble for that. So it was fun. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a good opportunity to, you know, to, to kind of watch online as opposed to just to being there 
But um, and so, I'm never there, so I'm always watching online. So yeah, to me, Jason won't fund you to go around with him. He's, uh, well. he's, he's coming to the worlds. Oh, okay, we'll have lots of time there. We'll be there for ten days. Yeah, well, yeah. Jason has me come in midweek though. What? <laughs> the flight was too expensive for the full ten. <laughs> the flight's the same price. You're just coming. To oh yeah. Oh no, no, it was the hotels. I'm sorry. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, the two wheel drive is a premier class though, as Jason likes to say. Well, yeah, so we'll talk about that. But, so, <laughs> but no, I only can make I was going to say, week, so. you know, obviously I talked to you, uh, Clayton, we, you know, several of us talked to you, I guess, about the the 10 scale off road nationals. We were all a little concerned about the, the surface. Yep. You know, we we're like, man, we, you know, we've heard some, you know, guys don't know what tires to run, you know, and I know our guys got there and we brought, um, you know, we had like three or four different compounds there. Of course, you're all on slicks these days, but, um, you know, we talked earlier and I think you, you did some, you know, touching base with everybody. And, you know, to me watching, I thought the layout was really awesome. Uh, the track layout looked really cool. And, you know, we mentioned Sean a bunch of times, how he was kind of out there kind of busting his ass, like keeping it, you know, watered, but then he's got the towel out there and trying to make sure everything's consistent, but it was a tough surface. I mean, I think all the drivers talked about that in their interviews, but I thought the track layout was really, really neat. And I know people watching online when we were paying attention, um, they love the looks of the track. It, it looked like it would have been a blast to drive. Like I, I didn't get to drive it. I didn't have a vehicle or anything to play around with, but it looked like it was super fun. It was technical, but it looked like if you got it right, it, it just looked like it was one of those, man, that was fun. Yeah. When you did a good lap. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, was kind of explained to me. I, that was the first thing Paul told me when he called after one of the first days, he's like, Hey, actually the layout is amazing to drive is super fun. And he's like, we're just all trying to figure out what we need to do with our tires and, and I think it was a rough like first day and a half. And then it, I started getting some texts that was like, all right, the guys are calming down a little bit. They're not, you know, so I didn't show up till Saturday. So I showed up yeah. after everybody started to calm down, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I was getting the text and it was like, Oh, you know, these guys are a little concerned. They're a little they're, um, And, but it, they were kind of wound up pretty tight about it. But it sounded like once the seating started, um, it sounded like it kind of tamed it uh, tamed down a little bit and uh, everybody started just kind of racing like normal. And it wasn't as, as, you know, much of a concern as it was initially when they got there. Yeah. I, I was thanking God that that didn't turn out to be the way everybody thought it would be mm -hmm. because it wasn't like, I didn't, wasn't hearing it from one person i was hearing from different manufacturers different drivers different uh drive drivers that had different attitudes like some of them are calm and some of them riper so you kind of always take that into play when somebody's like oh my god this is never gonna work and you're like okay yeah you say that about every track okay cool yeah. uh, or um i really have some concerns <laughs> um, yeah. have you reached out to him and every time i'd reach out to sean to his credit he'd be like hey i'm on it we're gonna put a sprinkler system in we're gonna make sure like one of the concerns from the warm race is that they had to take two minutes in between each round to reprep the track. So the track would be somewhat consistent, um, but they didn't have a sprinkler system yet. So um, 
even during the race, they dropped that sprinkler system probably four or five times to replace nozzles that had got gummed up and they were just dripping down and putting water spots on the track. They, they literally kept that thing as pristine as it could in the track. Uh, to me, it never rooted up or anything. It, it looked fairly consistent other than the, the dust, dust part or making it slippery as the run would go on. So obviously we got through the race in itself and this was another one started really, really soft on the entries. I mean, it, it sat at like 20 something for a while. Then it was at like 40 or 50. I think the last time we were looking, it was in the 60 range and we were like, Oh man, this, you know, where's this going to go? Yeah. Are we talking about a hundred entry race or, you know, are we talking about a 50 entry race that we're going to, you know, and for us, we got three people going and, you know, it's obviously a, a concern and you know we we just want there to be entries and, and racers there that's what makes that brings the atmosphere right right if, you, if you're if you're going and it's a ghost town then the atmosphere isn't there but again it seemed like the entries picked up a little bit at the end and kind of spiked there and, and maybe almost doubled again uh so we went there with 128 i think we ended at 168 160 something so 40, 40-ish entries that were late. Not quite as bad as Enats, because I think there was like 60 or 70 there. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, that 40 is enough that there was, I think there was a D-main or an E-main. There was a, a lower main that we just didn't have trophies for, and we're like, hey, we're sorry. You know, we got extra entries. If you want, you know, you want the license plate trophy deal, just let me know. And a couple of them emailed and were, going to have them drop shipped from the manufacturer. So um, a couple of them did and that's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll compensate. It would just be better and cheaper <laughs> if we knew in advance so we could have that stuff there at the track. And, you know, obviously the, the classes here uh, generally, I want to say the classes are the same as the carpet off-road nationals, right? There's no change between dirt and carpet. It's pretty much identically the same classes, I think. Right. Yeah, I feel like carpet, maybe we didn't have a mod stadium truck. I feel like there was some class that we had on dirt that we didn't have on on carpet, but I'm not sure. And we did cancel the mod short course truck right. because there was only two entries. And we and we didn't, you know, we asked a few weeks prior saying, hey, look, if you're going to put them in, please put them in so we don't cancel the class. And people still got mad when we canceled the class and we're like, why'd you do that? You didn't tell us again. And then oh. you referenced the Facebook page of here, here we did. And then they're matter. like, okay, well, can you give us even more notice? And you're like, sure. We're like, <laughs> do you want me to start like a month into registration saying, Hey, we only have 20 entries. Um, please sign up. Like, uh, I'm not sure. And we did do some bump posts of, Hey, they're open. We're looking for entries kind of deal but yeah covered all your bases some racers are just last minute so we we deal with it as we come yeah and you know i mean in my opinion mod short course in the two-wheel drive class you know we probably haven't had a a really solid one till since like maybe 2015 or 16 it's been a long time since it's been you know i think the year before there was five or six entries I think yeah. the one at Mimi's, there was like five or six entries. And it's like, you know, like you said, is it really a class if there's five or six entries out there? Yeah, I don't think so. 
Yeah, and some of the manufacturers, there was a two out of the four or five that were like, hey, you should probably just stop offering it. It's, it's just a class that's, that nobody's signing up for. They haven't for years, so instead of having it up there, just, just don't offer it and let's work on something new. I remember, the to me, the peak of the short course modified nationals was in 2011. We had it at, um, I think it was... Um, it was the track Kevin Jellick worked at uh, in Northern California. I want to say it's it's not uh, Northwest Hobbies, but it's uh, it's the track that Eric Vasudin owns. NorCal. NorCal Hobbies. So we had that in uh, 2011, and I I remember that one that just being such a solid two wheel short course uh, modified class, and and it probably was right after you know probably the peak of short courses you know 09 2010 11 12 that was probably the peak of it but um you know and then it just kind of trickled down from there but i wish it was still the great class but like you said if you have five entries it's just like you know what is this really for yeah mm-hmm. it's cool that it looks more realistic than pretty much anything else um but uh it's sad that People just aren't interested in it. If they're not interested in it, then that's fine. Well, there's plenty of other classes. We'll support them and get them stronger and, and better. Yeah, obviously, like if you can kind of channel the focus a little bit on these other ones and, you know, keep keep at it, keep, you know, adding to it. And, you know, at some point, obviously, you probably will have to draw the line, you know, is this exhibition for the rest of your life? Um, you know, or is this uh, going to turn into a Roar National class? You'll probably have to decide, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and we won't do it in a vacuum. We'll, we've got Leanne Tessman on the board now, and we've got Garland. And I'm I'm badgering somebody else who's an off-road guy to join uh, the the committee who's texted me already once during this interview. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more, but we also reach out to manufacturers and, and, you know, cause we're, we'll send out an email. Hey, is everybody going to be at 10 scale nuts and wanted to bounce some ideas off people. So um, I bounced it off the ones that were there. It really, I didn't really have time to figure out a zoom time to get everybody together while we were there. So we'll just figure out something here in the future where we can bounce the ideas off of. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like I said, I watched, we did the watch along with Gotti, and obviously we saw a lot of your interviews, you know, getting right off the track, um, you know, right into the interview for the most part, everybody was right there. And, you know, you know, they kind of got a, you know, a couple words in, you know, they could, you could kind of get that expression if they were a winner or a loser or they weren't happy with what they did. And obviously you made it, you, you also made it a point to interview you know, B main drivers and all this type of stuff who they're kind of going through the, well, it wasn't the weekend that I wanted, but I ended it on a good note type of thing. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of nice. You know, Kai Goff gave some good interviews and some uh, many others as well, where it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't what I wanted, but I still got to have a good time with my friends. And I, I, you know, I had a pretty good main event that he could kind of, you know, Hey, go home with and be kind of happy with. And, um, I thought it was kind of nice, including those. Yeah, I, I feel like that's important because, sure, you get the Dakota, Rivkins, Mayfields that that are used to being able to do interviews and stuff like that. But a lot of the guys in the C and D 
you know, they've probably never even thought about doing an interview and they watch everybody else get interviewed. Then you ask them, they're like, what? <laughs> you're like, yeah. so is there anybody you'd like to thank? Oh yeah. You're my sponsors. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my family, my, my other peeps. And so I don't know. It just, it creates a more personal experience for not only them, but people who know them. Yeah. Jason, do you think uh, Clayton would be interviewing me 30 years back when I was running all the way down in the P main? It's like, here we are with Dottie in the P main. <laughs> you know, back to the entries, uh, back in the day, I would go to a national event. I was praying to God there would only be about 10 entries in my class <laughs> so I could say I was in the A. <laughs> yeah. Back when nobody reached either, so I can go back home and say, yeah, I made the A. I made the A. I think Gotti has bad internet right now. Oh, I'm. Uh, you know what? It's really uh, it's raining really bad here. Jason, can you hear me fine? I can hear you. Yeah, you just All froze right. for a second. <laughs> There's a. I got a storm, so let's pray to God that uh, the internet doesn't go down here. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah. yeah so anyway. mention, you know, obviously you got the, the modified classes. We got the the triple mains there. We got we still have the modified truck. Uh, there was you know about two solid mains of that. Two wheel mod, which is the premier class. Uh, we talked about this. I still think it's the best class in RC. I mean, in my opinion, I think um, if I want to win a worlds, I want to win two wheel mod at, at the worlds. Uh, eight scale, we determined for me was second, and then four wheel mod third. But uh, obviously, eight scale nitro is amazing. I mean, you yeah. can throw that it's in. You can throw it in there as the number one. Anybody can. But I'm still a little old school. To me, if you can qualify high enough in two-wheel drive at the Worlds to win it, because um, you do have to qualify high traditionally to win it, um, you're a badass. And mm. I think it's there's just something about that class that, to me, is if you can drive that vehicle and you can drive it at that level, I've always felt like you could drive any RC car. It doesn't matter if it's off-road, on-road, oval, monster truck, uh, tank, whatever you want to run, you know, like you can drive it. And, uh, but yeah, you know, to me, so we got the, that two wheel mod, uh, went down to a third main there yeah. with, with, which was in, uh, obviously Brock, um, was TQ had a great weekend, but he didn't have the, the best first two mains. So he kind of, I'm not going to say he let the two guys go, but he made a little bit of an error and it was, Spencer versus Dakota right off the bat. Yeah. Even uh, after they had both, I feel like it was the last day they both had got behind him at one point um, when they came up on him, he let them go, even yeah. though he was TQ and in front of them it, and on their pace, literally he was running the same lap times when they got within five car lengths. He just moved out of the way. I was like, wow, man, that's professional. Yeah. Like he was, he had great, like you said, he was TQ Mm -hmm. And instead of maybe affecting who was national champ, he just let them go have at it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I think a lot of these drivers learn over the years. And it's it's not for everybody, <laughs> but I know Mayfield, um, you know, Mayfield's always told me when he runs these races, he's like, he's like, dude, watch me if I'm getting lapped. He's like, I get so far out of the way because he's like, if some, he goes, if, if I'm in a race where I can win and I'm catching up to lap traffic, 
he's like, I want them to be the heck out of the way. So yeah. he's like, I make sure he's like, when I'm getting lapped that I'm so far away because I don't want to be that guy getting in the way. And um, so like you said, you know, some maturity, uh, a lot of maturity from Brock there um, kind of maybe recognizing, Hey, this isn't my day, but when it is my day, I hope they do the same thing for me. And that's smart right. because that's smart because there couldn't be very soon. There could be your day and you have to kind of rely on that. Yeah. I mean, they're getting ready to run worlds here in a month, so <laughs> they could need that to a qualifier or whatever. They're rolling up on somebody that is super close to their pace, but not quite on it. And if they just let them go cleanly instead of, forcing the issue and maybe losing a few tents at worlds that could mean everything making the show or not. I mean, I am, we're watching with Dottie and they get to the end of the straightaway and kind of Dakota made a little bit of a bobble and Spencer jumps those step downs. <laughs> that um, was the most awesome pass. Oh my I, goodness. The crowd went crazy too. I don't know if you could hear it live, but everybody was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I texted Spencer later. I'm like, did you seriously jump the step downs? He's like, yeah, man, I was full throttle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, he was, and he was pumped. He said that was, he felt that was, you know, he, um, you know, obviously D- Dakota still got by, got the win, but he said that was the best race he had ever had with Dakota. You know, he's had some, I'm not going to say issues that he even got into him a little bit in that first main. We weren't sure if it was his fault or, yeah, I had to go back and watch the video because there was a that I was asked to look at it, and yep. when I looked at it, I at, when I saw it live, it happened underneath me, so I couldn't see, and yep. so I asked the referee who was Cal, who was there watching it. He's like, "To me, Dakota got a little loose and then kind of slid back in in front of Rivkin." So then when I watched the video, it it looks like Dakota goes wide, Rivkin's coming straight straight on his line and Dakota kind of as he's correcting his car to get square, they, they just touch wheels. So um, I told him, I, I, I'm not going to penalize anybody for that because that looked like a racing deal to me. And uh, Spencer was right in keeping his line. Dakota was just trying to save his buggy or, or get it back square and they touched wheels and that happened. So, yeah, you know, and I, I, I was watching it live with Gotti and my first reaction was, oh, man, that Spencer got into him. I'm like, I hope this isn't going to be a big deal, you know, and I'm like, right. And then um, Lefty had posted the video, you know, he was a little more into the controversy. You know, he, he got his video, he got his slow-mo in there and I watched it and I was like, you know, I like Dakota's a little wide here. And then it got loose, like you said, and I was like, I don't think this is Spencer's fault. And I was like, okay, well. Maybe he's not going to get torn apart on the internet tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, there was um, there was a dust up in the pits where yeah. I kind of sent them both away from each other. Yeah, so, like not, not here, not now. Wasn't about that. Just calm down. Like go to your corners. <laughs> because yep. to me, I I've had it happen between um, Born Horse and Cavalry uh, at an Enets to where. Cavalry turned left in the middle of the straightaway because he was getting past and that was not appreciated. And born horse is much bigger than Cav and they were screaming at each other. I'm like, wow. dude, all these people are watching you. You're representing your brands and you're looking like fools. Knock it off. Go talk it out somewhere else. Yep. Yeah. And you know, and I always say that, <clears throat> you know, these guys, uh, everybody in uh, 
everybody says something to people when they're driving or when there's a bad movie. I was like, Oh, nice move idiot. Or, you know, whatever. But I I always try to say sometimes that you, you try not to take these driver stand insults too personally, because usually like once it's over with, you're just like, Hey man, what'd you think of that? You know what I mean? Like it, it kind of like you can patch it up pretty quickly. Yeah. But sometimes obviously as long as it doesn't turn too confrontational, physical, there's going to be some of these words set out there and you kind of have to learn to get past that. Um, You know, I've had younger racers and parents ask me before and I'm like, well, if they're going to be aggressive and they're going to hit people and there's sort of a 50, 50 situation, you have to kind of learn to deal with um, talking this out with people. Sometimes you get cursed at, sometimes they, you know, tell you and you're an idiot and but then usually once it's over with and it passes by everybody kind of gets back together yeah and um because at the end of the day we're almost all friends like right whether you're on road off road you're traveling around with the same people going to all these races and whether you like them or not that they're your friend of me like nobody else can pick on them because you know they did something but like it's that's my job to pick on them and i'm going to defend them if you come after them because they're part of my group. Like I'm going to be racing them in this race or in the next race or whatever. So I totally so get that. Kind of a, a story that just happened. I don't know if these guys, uh, if they talked about this, but it was just back uh, at a recent event. I think it was wicked weekend and uh, Mayfield and born horse got into it on the track in a, in a qualifier, but they're pitting in the same trailer. Oh man. So, so I forget if it was Paul or somebody telling me and, and that they're like, nobody wants to go in the trailer. Like, you know, it's like, all right, well, is, are they both going to be in there or what's going to happen? And I guess after a while, they both were in the trailer and I don't know which one of them, but somebody just goes, okay, this is stupid. You just say what you want to say. I'll say what I want to say. And then we'll get, go get a beer. All right. And they're like, okay, <laughs> you know, so, so they, you know, they basically just said whatever they wanted to say to each other. And they're like, okay, we're good. <laughs> and, and that's a lot of times just what needs to happen. Like yeah. your perspective of what happened may be different than somebody else's. Um, like I, there was um, the Huddy race. I won the Huddy race and one of my teammates thought I was driving like a baboon. <laughs> and I'm like, I was driving like a baboon. Yeah, you were hitting everything. I'm like, I won. I, I like, I, I literally got reverse peeled because I wasn't TQ. Uh, the guy in front of me had wrecked. And so he wrecked and I was following him, which then wrecked and wrecked a bunch of other people. And I guess that because I had wrecked into them or whatever, I the whole race, I was just wrecking everybody and driving like a baboon. And I'm like, <laughs> there's two different races here. The race that happened in your head. And the one that happened on the track and right. really what needed to happen, we just needed to both vent mm-hmm. uh, on what happened. And he's like, well, when you were correcting it, you, you got into me and, and it ruined my day. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry that it ruined your day. I, I was literally in the process of wrecking. So I, <laughs> I was just trying to, to get my car back straight. I didn't realize I took you out and that we're still good friends, but for probably a good two months, I was like that next race, I'm going to show them how much of a baboon I can be. (laughs) Man. Take them down. (laughs) Sounds like me. So, you know, then we, obviously we had that, that was, 
know, to me, that was one of the highlights, you know, that one going to A3. Spencer won four-wheel and two mains. Dakota won the, the modified truck in the two mains. We had uh, Nate Sutherland, who is an upcoming racer. And I know Thomas, I'm pretty close with Thomas Tran with um, TLR. He was really proud of Nate. Uh, one of the drivers he's been mentoring for a while. And, um, but he had to do it kind of the hard way. He had to win in, in, in a two and three, I think. Yeah. Yep. He did. Uh, I get all the mains were extremely close. Like uh, if you didn't have your two wins, it was literally coming down to tenths or less for the win. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was, and we're going to see so much of that at the Worlds. Um, it's, I mean, every time we're at Hobby Action, they have a, a, they have a bunch of monitors on the wall, <clears throat> you know, and it's in large, large format. So you can, you can watch and you can see the scoring really out of the corner of your eye. How close this stuff is when they're actually running is... I mean, if you're actually driving and you're thinking how close it is on the clock, you can't do it. No, you'll make a mistake. Yeah, like the the I mean the the A qualifier at the races when we go there at the hobby action, they are so close, you know, down to eighth and ninth. I mean, it's just it's a bobble, and you're can go from second to last, and and you can always come back a little bit, but you know, five minute race, it's still not that easy. At a world level, I don't. I'd be surprised if you could come back very much, maybe a spot or two. So you know, obviously, we uh, the hot topic was the the seventeen five yep. race, um, the the tie breaks situation. I kind of told you we didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because I know you got another <laughs> podcast to do. Um, Keenan loves that stuff a little bit. <laughs> a little bit more than I do. And, and Gotti and I talked about it a little bit. We didn't want to kind of go into it too much. Um, but unfortunate situation with the way that the computer can be set up. Uh, there's two different forms of tie breaks, um, whether there's, uh, there's the system IFMAR uses, there's the system ROAR uses. Um, your two best finishes in ROAR, the times are added together uh, in um, if Mar, it's your single best run um, speed. So, kind of go into a little bit. You don't have to go too crazy here because you got to do this again, um, all over again, probably tomorrow. But um, just real quickly, obviously the the tough decision and and kind of getting this thing done. Yeah. So, like you said, the computer was set up for If Mar. I actually went through today and double checked. There wasn't a single driver that missed an egg because of the scoring being Ifmar versus Roar. There was, uh, and I've already hit up Tater. Tater should have started in front of Chase. But other than that, the top five of any race was not affected. And that was four-wheel drive where Tater should have started in front of Chase. Um, and Tater was Tater has come a long way with, with being uh, um, confrontational or accepting. And he, he's like, no problem. Um, I'll, I'll let you know for the next race, and I'm going to take care of his entry. Um, there were a couple six and sevens that would have been swapped, but again, everybody that was supposed to be in the show was the, per- the correct people in the show. And yeah. when it was brought to my attention that the calculation wasn't right, I quickly did it and looked at it and go and you know he had a um, Kyle had a twenty one and eighteen, 
So that would have been, you know, 39 and, and, um, <laughs> Doug, Doug. Uh, Doug uh, had a 20 and 20 and it was 40. I'm like, no, I, I think it's good. And they're like, could you just do the math? And so I'm like, okay, well, and then I did the math, wrote it down on a piece of paper. I'm like, that's wrong. And then I double checked our rules because that's the way I knew it to be the way it was supposed to be done too. And, and it was wrong. And uh, so then I asked um, our scorekeeper like, Hey, why, how is this possible that this is wrong? I mean, live RC is a computer. I write software all day long. Like it, <laughs> you can't make a mistake. It, it's like, it's math. Um, and then realize where the mistake was. And so once we switched it and had it recalculate, it was correct. And I had to go, apologized to Kyle because that interview was awesome. Like it was his first national championship. He, you know, he'd been working hard and, and it, it's not a good situation to have to go explain to somebody that, you know, their first national title is he's going to lose by 23 thousandths of a second on a tiebreaker. Um, and I, I told him, I'm like, I know there's nothing, not a single, single thing I could say that's going to make you feel any better right now. But after this calms down, if you want to talk, please hit me up. Um, and if you ever want to come back to a war race again, let me know and I'll take care of it. Yeah. But I had to default, default to the, what our rules were. That's basically what it came down to. No yeah. matter how passionate people were uh, yeah. surrounding me and yelling at me at what I could and couldn't do. I was like, I get that. Yeah, I was Marine for 22 years. I'm pretty stubborn in following what the rules are supposed to be. I know war didn't do that in the past. It would be, more of who uh, gave the best argument, but I'm not that person. Unless there's not a rule and we have to go by some precedents, I'm just going to follow the rules. <clears throat> you know, and it's it's tough. But I've been in some of those situations at races where we've tried to make some decisions at our races. Um, and what the, the most difficult part that I've found is people won't leave you alone. They, nope. they they follow you everywhere. Like there's a pack of like five, six, seven people that just follow you everywhere and they won't let you talk to the others to make a decision or to decide. They want to kind of drive the decision a little bit themselves. Yep. And I think that in its natural, I mean, I'm sure I would be the exact same way um, if the situation had happened um, and I was involved, but that's the most the toughest part that I've found is you really want um, you want to you want to take an opportunity to get together with the people in that situation that you trust and say, OK, let's let's figure this out and let's make the, the decision that we can. But when these people come over and they're like all over you and you're just like, hey, just give us some time here, you know, give it. And, and that's to me what's the most difficult thing, because everyone wants to start laying into you and giving you their side of the story and whatever. And it's like, well, hold on. We haven't just, you know, this isn't done yet. Let us, let's talk this over. And to me, that's always the most difficult thing. Yeah. Part of it was we should have announced a provisional champion or yeah. um, until we can verify and, and scoring and double check, triple check. Um, we should have just said, you know, pending, a per, pending final review of all the points, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we'll learn from that and make sure that we don't actually call them national champion, you know, uh, until we've had a chance for everything to be finished and us to go through and make sure all the scoring's right. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard you say it before and I've heard other people say it before. Maybe it just wasn't said at the time, but 
this is unofficial. Right. You know, we're doing this right after the moment. Right. So it's like, Hey, uh, we, the, you know, at a lot of races, cars still have to go through tech, like at the nitro events. That's yep. probably where I hear it more. Most often yep. this is unofficial because the car still has to clear tech after the nitro main. And, um, so usually race directors and, you know, people in position like yourself will make that announcement. This is unofficial until the cars clear tech. Um, that's where you hear it most often. Yep. Uh, I think some of these races, there's a little bit of a jump, uh, not jump to conclusions, but everybody's so ready to, for it to be over at that spur of the moment that sometimes the things aren't necessarily official yet. Right. Um, and, you know, one thing I thought about just a few hours, obviously I, I messaged all these guys, told them they did a good job, even Kyle, even, uh, you know, everybody that won or didn't win that was in a, a great race. But, um, you know, at, at some point or another, um, they're going to get these opportunities. Uh, you can have these opportunities again. And, you know, these guys are, for the most part, everybody in this is a really good guy. Um, but these are hard decisions and you do have to kind of live and die with them on the spot like that. Yeah. It, I, I worked with Jeff Parker for so long running the races and saw the indecisiveness and how it was affecting everybody for so long. I promised myself that was not going to happen again. So that I, I, I will, like you said, I went and talked to Thomas and, um, and Rifkin came over and talked to me for a little while. Like, I, I did get a chance to talk to some people and had kind of had to push some people away. Like, like, let me talk to Spencer and hear what he's got to say. Let me talk to Thomas and hear what he's got to say. And then they would like all huddle back to the point where Danny Paz, who was taking pictures for us, he was like, like, dude, how did you like? They were, they were, you were surrounded by animals for 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 like <laughs> thirty straight minutes. I'm like, yep, yep, sure was. <laughs> He's like, that was crazy. They were screaming at you, and I'm like, yep, they were. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. I, I'm a racer too, so I I can get that passion and and I and I can just imagine the feeling Kyle was going through and Doug was going through and you know Doug at first going, wait a second. Like when I do this, I, I think this works. What, what, how, the, how does math not add up? And Well, that was something I thought about, and I was trying to get to this point earlier, and I forgot, which was <laughs> Doug recognizing that, hey, wait a second here. He went back and looked at it, I guess, and he said, wait a second. Maybe this isn't exactly right. And Right. I mean, I, yeah, there I, was no – he didn't have to file a protest. Because yeah. he wasn't protesting the results. He was yeah. just asking if I could make sure that the math was correct because it was a lot closer than I thought. Obviously, 23 thousandths of a second. <laughs> um, so, like, um, there, he didn't have to pay the protest fee and file paperwork because this was literally, hey, this is what is the rule and, and exactly how was it calculated? That's not a protest. That's a question. So, um, there was nothing filed. There was no mad anger anything from either one of them actually even kyle kyle was not mad and throwing things and angry he was devastated to be yeah. honest he was just devastated yeah um and to his credit he came out 
did the podium picture wasn't needed, didn't throw any attitude or nothing total professional. So yeah. like, even though the situation was horrible and lots of people didn't like the decision or whatever, um, the drivers themselves uh, handled themselves very well and very professional and should be commended. Like that, that's a tough situation. So we'll kind of move out of that one into, uh, we had just a, uh, a couple questions, um, not really even pertaining to that so much, but uh, one of them was, uh, two of them were just about some different events, but Joe Zaire brought up that, uh, have we ever thought about a large scale Roar Nationals, like fifth scale? Uh, he's He really loves fifth scale. And he was asking, has there ever been any thoughts on having some large scale stuff like fifth scale, I guess? So uh, Connie Fetson, I think is how you pronounce his last name, is the fifth scale rep for EFRA. And he's been asking me the same question. Um, I wouldn't mind holding a fifth scale event if uh, we've got, I, I don't know if we have tracks or how many participants we have to be able to do that. Um, it's probably something we should. I'll just break It would have to be researched and see. Um, if we could pull off an event where people could get to, I don't know if you can pack a fifth scale car in your luggage um, and fly. I don't, I don't know. You know, the, my, my fallback all the time, obviously, you know, Joe here talking about it, but my fallback is always Matt Holson. He does more fifth scale events than anybody I would say in the world. Mm. Uh, he is extremely into fifth scale. Uh, you know, they run that one there he runs a bunch in California, but he's been all over doing fifth scale and they've traveled with them. And I'd say the number one thing is that we talked about earlier was the entries. If you can get entries um, and if people will sign up ahead of time, you know, you can't have three entries and have a whole nationals for it. You got to have entries and uh, there's is plenty of tracks out there. And then, you know, is there a set of rules and, you know, there's, there's a whole, you know, those cars are almost like real full-size cars. I mean, you got a lot going on there. So you really have to have people like the Matt Olsons and people he's familiar with to see if it's, you can, you can have an event. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if he's doing events or, or doing video for the events, then he probably has some contacts that we could talk to about it and we could probably leverage Efra's current rules and, and bring them into the Roar rule book uh, you know, to get I'm, some kind of rules. And there's different ones, you know, there, there are different fifth scale vehicles and classes. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely, if that's all at all interest, I would definitely reach out to Matt. I'm sure he's, I mean, he would definitely be able to tell you if this is going to work or not. And uh, sorry, I was just writing my notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the next thing we had was uh, Tom Bishop was asking about, the, the 40 plus stuff, do we think they're ever, you know, is there any talks of actually making it a few, you know, roar title again, or, you know, what, what do you think is going to be the future with that? So in talking to the committee, um, they feel like if the entries are there, then it should be a national title. So we will probably get back to that. I don't think the entries dropped a whole lot. Um, but I think when they run the master's class, then they're not running 
mod as well. So they would have to pick. You're either going to run old guys or or full guys. And so, yes, there has been talks about it. Um, I'm not sure if it should be 40 or maybe 45, but there, there are talks about making it a, a thing again. I think the scale's moving up a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say you hit 50. Yeah. I, well, I'm 53. Not that I ever oh. act like it, but um, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I need to race in an older class unless I'm just trying to get laps and figure things out. Um, so, so, and then the one that Will Britton brought up, which I think it has been a roar class in the past is, uh, is 10 scale dirt oval. Um, you know, that, that is kind of a, it's a very large class in RC now. And again, um, and I remember in the eighties, early nineties, they used to have dirt oval nationals, but, um, have you ever, have, has anybody brought that up or, or talked so there was about a- there's a track in South Carolina or North Carolina that asked about being able to host it. I think my biggest problem right now is again, rules like the oval oval community rightly or wrongly decided to do their own thing and like said, okay, we're done with running more. I would love to get them back. I have tons of fun racing oval dirt or carpet, either one. It's fun. Um, so, uh, I don't have it. A definite answer, but I would hope by next year we could have at least a carpet or a dirt oval nationals. So if you're interested and you're listening to this podcast or watching the podcast, email president at War Racing with your ideas on how we could get a dirt oval nationals done next year. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, so we got the uh, Will Britton asking for 35 plus. Come on, bro. Will. <laughs> so uh, wanted, uh, two other things I kind of wanted to uh, bring up, which was uh, the, the world's coming up was one of them. And then another thing I wanted to just give you the opportunity to talk about was, you know, maybe what's next or what's on the, the roar agenda kind of going into next year. So you can pick either one to talk about first. Uh, but first was going to be, you know, the upcoming world. That's a big deal for Roar. Uh, you know, it only comes maybe every 10 years to the U.S. for, you know, this is 10 scale off-road. Um, so we got the, you know, last time was 2013 in Chico this year, 2023. So um, Worlds in America, uh, Roar is obviously there. That's this, the block that's chosen this time. So talk to us a little bit about that and then maybe what the future of Roar and then we're done. Okay. So, um, of course, Worlds is going to be in Chandler, Arizona. We're still trying to get um, some clarification on the personnel that either Roar or the track or IFMAR is providing so that we don't show up and go, okay, we're missing this person and this person. We kind of know before we get there. Um, But the facility is looking amazing. Uh, Larry's doing a really good job, at least talking to me and getting like the, the roster so he can print out ID cards and We've got some media people that are coming that I think I has one of them. I still have to forward to Larry, but um, this will be my first worlds as a war president or as a, as doing part of the, of the worlds. I did help a fuel worlds in tech in California once, um, but I wasn't even part of the opening ceremony or anything. So I didn't get to experience the whole world's vibe per se. 
Um, so this is going to be a learning experience for me. And I'll be relying on a lot of manufacturers like Brent Thelke was hitting me up about some stuff and Gord was hitting me up about some stuff, um, which is great because I don't know. And I'm literally going into this blind because I'm asked for meeting after meeting with IFMAR and gotten crickets. So I'm just like, oh, come on. You guys are supposed to be the ones that tell me or uh, just look in the rule book. And then you look in the rule book and the, the class rules say something different than the world rules and which one has precedence. Um, like, what am I supposed to follow kind of deal, which they would be able to answer if I could get the answer. So yeah. <laughs> a little nervous going into worlds. Um, the shirts should be being made, although we're going to amend the graphics based on some input from the manufacturers, because before, I guess they used to just say war. My idea was going to have the Canadian and American flag with roar. Um, but from, actual people that have been to these that it's more of a country thing. So should kind of be like Canadian flag with war world's driver and an American flag with war world's driver for whichever country you're representing. So I've got to get the graphics changed a little bit, but um, those should be nice. Uh, we had one driver switch out. Sam Moran is now going. Um, I, I, I feel like there's open spots that we have a couple other people that want to go, but if more won't respond <laughs> that if they're really open or if they have somebody else who's coming to fill those spots. Um, you know, that was one thing I was going to mention was it is a, a, a lot of American drivers. This is probably, I'm trying to think of back um, in terms of how many guys I've, I've seen, or drivers that are are interested in going to the worlds, but I this is has to be one of the largest American contingents that's going to be represented at this race. I mean, there's got to be. It feels like there's fifty plus sixty. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we have sixty people from America. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, I know people are really interested in it, and and another thing that was brought up, I believe, I can't remember if it was Paul or. Uh, maybe brought this up that, you know, he feel you know, Brent, Brent Telke, he, I talked to him about this and um, with so many racers uh, resuming into the worlds and getting in, you said 60, 60 drivers. Um, I think it's also had a little bit of an effect on the turnout at some of the other events too, because it's like you said earlier, it's a big budget for the, you know, 10 or 12 days, whatever it is. And, you know, there's been some guys that have, have committed to the worlds and I think it's, it's, kept them from a couple of other events, but that's individually affecting this, probably this only worlds only. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that because the worlds being one month after the Nats, probably some people, I, I know there was some that are going to worlds that did not go to Nats and I, I don't blame them. But one thing that they, everybody needs to start thinking about is <clears throat> we never had criteria to get to a worlds before. And so as a committee, we've come up with, you know, if you haven't gone to our Nats, we're likely just going to leave those spots empty. If you're yeah. not supporting Roar to go to nationals, unless like Delphi broke his leg, like some, yeah. sometimes things happen. You, you signed up, but something happened and you, you weren't able to make it kind of deal. But, you know, I went 12 years ago and I haven't attended another Roar race. And I understand Roar was kind of fishy back then, but we're changing and we're getting better. So, um, well, 
we want you to at least have some big race experience from a war perspective, not not just big races to get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I had brought that up with Tyler today, actually. I was telling him, I said, I wonder how many guys are going to run the Worlds but didn't run either Roar National on either side of it. I said that would be a little disappointing to me because, you know, they didn't run the one where you could actually qualify or the one – this year, right? Right. But, they're gonna, but they resume into the race anyway. It's like that's exactly what you're talking about. Where, yeah, I think we had ten of yeah. the sixty. Yeah, the, they oh, wow. some of them, some of them, probably five or six of them had done a worlds before or a Nats 10, 12 years ago kind of deal, but nothing current. Like you said, not the last couple Nats, uh, and I would say. I wouldn't even think about this one, but the, the world's qualifier one and the one prior to it, they didn't attend either one. So, yeah, I, I remember I, I resumed into the, the, the first worlds I could, that I could go to, which was the 93 worlds in Basildon. Wow. And I didn't realize you're that old. <laughs> I, I started racing at, at the end of 1990. And so I raced all of 91 and then in 92, I learned that there was a Worlds, right? And I'm like, well, I want to go to the Worlds, right? And I resumed. I don't know who wrote it for me, or maybe I worked on it. We sent it to Roar, and they denied me to go to the 93 Worlds. And I was so bummed, man. I was like, I should be. That was your motivator. Yeah, I'm like, I should be there, and, you know, I should be at this race. And I just remember there was some of my friends that went, oh, quite a few of my friends and they'd been in it a little bit longer, a little more experienced. And, you know, there wasn't the internet back then. You weren't, you right. couldn't watch it online and you couldn't kind of live it. Um, so it was just kind of disappointing not being there, but you know, I'd only been racing for two years, but I still felt like, Hey, I'm ready for this. <laughs> I'm going, you know, but yeah, they denied me. And uh, I don't remember who was doing it at the time, but I was like, you know what, next time I'm, you know, I'm not going to have to resume and I'm just going to, straight up qualified. I should have tried to resume in and my last Nats was 1996. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be alone. I'm, I'll yeah, just yeah. put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. You know uh, what? What, it, what was it, weird was when I asked um, how we picked world's drivers, we had no criteria. They were like, you're president. You just get to pick. And I'm like, <laughs> what? The, didn't they have to have done something? Well, I mean, if you decide that's, I'm like, that just seems not yeah. right. Like you should. Wow. And so because it's that, I'm not going to change it, you know, without making some kind of announcement. So people know if yeah. I want to go to a nationals, I should go to a regionals and send that result and go to a nationals and send that result. And, and I can't fault people for regionals because not, we don't have a region director for every region yet. And some of those regionals aren't being held. Um, but I can fault people for not going to nationals once we say, hey, look, if you want to go to a Worlds, you need to make sure you're going to a nationals. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, exciting. That's, you know, a little less than a month away now. I know um, Larry and the guys are sweating over there. I know uh, it's not an easy job, but they'll get it done and make everybody proud. We're going to be there. We'll have our full team there. Nice. Um, we'll have our full group of people there uh, from the shop. So, um, you know, we're ready. Uh, we try to get to all these. We try to support them what we can. And uh, so going into Roar, uh, kind of just 
quickly the kind of the, maybe the a little glimpse of the future, which you're maybe thinking about and then kind of going into next year and we'll be wrap this up. So um, next year at our events, I would like to see us with a check-in process where like we just do some kind of badge because we have to take pictures or, or live RC is taking pictures. Whoever our media group ends up being is taking pictures. Um, so l- like leverage that, you know, give them a little badge, whether they wear or not, that's totally up to them but at least they're not spending a hundred dollars going to a race and then going home with nothing. They mm-hmm. at least, Hey, I participated. Like when I, you know, worked for the Olympics, I'd get an Olympic badge kind of deal. And you know, I hung that on my wall for years. I didn't, yeah. I was, wasn't, I wasn't in the Olympics. I was a performer at the Olympics kind of deal. So, um, and huh. just nice little things to, to make the event a little more polished. And hopefully with the media crew, I'd like to see, more commercials between the races instead of dead time, like go to a commercial break, then go to the interview, then go to the next race. I would like to see where the one who wins the race doesn't have to marshal and they could just do the interview and interview and chill. Um, I haven't got that through committee yet, but um, I'm going to try and, and put that through Um, just, just things to make life better in general. Uh, Even website stuff, um, we need to be better at not just the membership now that goes to your email, but for the, the associate, the affiliates and, and tracks, like I don't feel like we're doing enough for them. We don't have a, probably not a tra- accurate track listing for all the tracks. And as far as I'm concerned, we should be promoting the sport in general. So whether they're a war track or not, I would like to have their information and have a list of tracks. So, when wherever area you're in, you can click and see there's five oval tracks around me. There's a carpet off road. There's a dirt off road. There's an eight scale track and you can go. <laughs> um, just kind of make the, the use the, the driver experience better um, at our nationals going forward. Yeah. So obviously Michael just commented that the vinyl sponsor sheet that Sean and hobby town had made for this year. He thought that was awesome. So, yeah, they had um, they had these little vinyl banners that had sponsors on them, which was kind of cool. Like, I don't know if they were handing them out or whatever, but they were they they did a lot of nice stuff for that track. Even the the parts of the track that were elevated that they had like a wall around. The wall was wrapped, yeah. you know, so it, it wasn't just you know this dirt mound that kind of went over. It was like it, it just cut edges and looked nice. It made it hard to marshal that one spot, but it looked nice. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we got Charlie Mack. He was just basically, he was referring to one of our commercials we used to run. We had this the song in it. It was, mm. uh, you know, a EDM song or something. Um, but yeah, that was our one of our classic first commercials. Maybe we'll roll that back out this yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, uh, all we have to do is give it to Live RC and, they'll, and I'll force them to put it in the middle because like, I feel like we're not doing enough for the affiliates. Like we're not touting all you know, who's, who's our manufacturers and who's paid their fees and done all this stuff. And like, I feel like we can do more. Um, I'm not sure I have time to do more right now, but <laughs> like I, I want to, to do more and get the stuff to be like, like value added for the sponsors. J concept sponsors a race. And okay, they get a little J Concept logo. 
but they sponsored the whole race. Like, yeah. why aren't they part of everything? Why isn't in the, like, especially between rounds, run a J concept commercial in that dead spot for like every 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just run it again. Put, put some music in the background during the dead time instead of just, okay, we're going to stop broadcast now for a little bit. Okay. Now we're going to start it. Uh, a little more polished things to make everybody's experience better. So Larry Tom here, he's asking or saying he wants to see a roar commercial and asking if you kind of have one, I guess. No, and I'm a video guy, so I could probably make something. But again, it's more. There time. you go. <laughs> so um, we have talked to Hannah about helping us with uh, a gift for the winter. But um, well, that's kind of a future thing that should come together and be nice for everybody. But we'll see how that works. So yes, Larry, I will. I've thought about doing something, even just a a wrap up of the year's races. Try and take some of our live time video and snip it together just to year in review kind of deal. <clears throat> That's a Charlie Mac, the Tekken commercial. That was blue. I totally agree. I know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. It like did this big explosion or something. <laughs> oh man. So much louder than everything else. And yeah, that was a tough one to control. Huh. I see. I didn't even know though. people had made those commercials. That's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah, we have, we have uh, you know, we've probably made five or six of them over the years that we've used at different events. And, um, you know, our current one that we, that we have, they always ask, uh, different race events and they get it, they get it played, you know, it's kind of on a little bit of a loop. Uh, so it's kind of five or six different ones, then like you could kind of cycle through them. So it didn't get kind of stale. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of the idea at one point, uh, especially when Live RC was really, really, I guess I'll say on their game, um, when they had brought in a big crew to these events, we were, uh, you know, all of them kind of had that nitro challenge level of uh, effort. And, you know, we had, a, we had to really react to that. And those, you know, we had a, different commercials and we, we were asked for a lot of media related content in those days. And, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to get back to that. And I know, I believe Larry asked us about a commercial for the world. So we got to come up with something fresh. Yeah. I mean, sometimes retro is good too, though. I mean, if you have one of the commercials that was from like when you first founded, that would be kind of 2003. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BJ Ford commercial. That one you can't even see anymore when you, uh, to me, I watched the video. <laughs> we had and i'm like how did i even watch this like it's so blurry and it's like so great it'd be awesome though but I, I i mean i remember when we did that there used to be people that would email me and say hey i was watching that video and i, I think you could go a little softer on the suspense i'm like how do you <laughs> i have to see this commercial yeah i i i you watch the video today we still have it i think it's on our youtube channel and it's yeah, it, it was a commercial, and <laughs> I was trying to think if it was a clip or it was a commercial of oh. sorts, and it is so hard to watch the car on the track and know anything that's going on, and I remember people used to critique the suspension, <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, man, we'll, we'll try it, no problem. <laughs> you need 30 weight back there, no shocks. It's so, it's like those those you know those memes you see on 
social media now where they said this, these are the graphics in 1996 of like the football video games and the like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The graphic comparison of Tom Brady when he started to now. I mean, I don't know. Back then, you must have been like, wow, look how clear that looks. <laughs> yeah. Now you're like, ugh. Yeah, it's it's really hard to tell what's going on. So that's it. That's all I got. Uh, we appreciate you, uh, Clayton, and uh, all the work and effort and uh, all the participation you're doing at the events, the interviews. And uh, he might be freezing up here a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah. All good. And he's out. There we go. <laughs> he froze up. But yeah, obviously we appreciate him being on. Uh, it was obviously about a two hour deal, but it takes a, a long time to get through uh, all the different events and kind of dive into everything. But obviously he's done more roar stuff in this year um, than I think many of the others have done, at least publicly. Uh, that's kind of what everybody sees is the stuff that's public. So it's nice to see him at the races, doing the interviews, running around. And uh, so uh, thanks to him. Thanks. And uh, hopefully we can see a list of uh, the 2024 events coming out soon when they're going to be. And uh, we'll see uh, which ones we're all going to be able to attend. And yeah. everybody needs to sign up early please yeah uh, we're all planning on this and if you want to do it man try to get in there and get your name added to the registrations at any of these events it's really really important yeah and i like uh, you guys were talking earlier in the interview about the uh making making stuff like the regionals seem important again you know i i've messaged oh clayton's back there he is Oh, you're back. You froze up and disappeared on us. Thunderstorm come through and everything flashed. I'm like, oh no. See that. Exactly. You live in Pennsylvania? Uh, we live in Virginia Beach. Okay. Well, I have uh, I have a thunderstorm going on right now, too. So <laughs> I was just praying the whole time that my interview was or my uh, internet was gonna hold up. Typically I never lose power because I'm connected to the firehouse uh, on the power grid. So like oh. if it goes, it just flickers, but it flickered like four times. So somebody must have hit a pole or something. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we, we um, did good. We were kind of signing you off there, telling you, you know, good job. We can't yeah, wait. Yeah, we covered for you. The no, 20, you're the, the best. 20, uh, the announcement, I don't know when that when that comes out of the 2024 events and schedule, but we're kind of waiting for that. And uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you. Or I'll see you at the Worlds, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, see you soon. Um, thanks again. And uh, we told everybody, next year, 2024, Sign up early and pay if you plan on doing it at all. Larry Tom knows he knows the game. If you're going to sign up, get paid up. and commit. Um, yeah, because until you pay, it doesn't even process you as an entry in our system. So, I, oh, like yeah. you have to literally go on the backside and see what happened. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's one thing if you if you're trying to put together the money. And it is sort of a, a tight for you. Everybody, of course, understands that. But if you're rolling in in an RV at the race, you could probably get signed up a little bit quicker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and if you're thinking about going and uh, don't have the funds together yet, email me, message me on Facebook, something, yeah. so that we have an idea. I, I'm fine with that too. Perfect. I mean, that, you can't ask for a better deal than that. 
And um, there you go. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it, Clayton. Thanks uh, a lot. And, uh, good luck tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Best thanks. of luck with everything. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, I won't be physically I, surrounded. It'll just yeah, be I, uh, yeah, internet I, surrounded. I kind of. You know, we, I wanted to make this a little more positive and easygoing, and uh, because it is a it is a climb, and obviously uh, time goes on, we'll all, you know, people will, will forget a little bit about the uh, Ifmar versus Roar um, tiebreak, but um, it does happen, and uh, it sounds like it it will kind of smooth over over time, and uh, that's all I got. All right. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate Clayton. It. And yep. And if there's uh, anything you can ever do for us, let us know. <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> See you. Thank you. All right. Clayton Young, everyone. I appreciate everybody for joining us in the uh, in the chat room. And uh, if you're listening to this in the audio version, don't forget you can head over to facebook which you probably already give us a like and uh head over to youtube tell a friend head over to youtube let's pump the numbers up and subscribe there um and uh i think this is the last pod before uh well it's definitely the last pod before um you can challenge yep so uh i'll be there friday saturday sunday so if uh any of you guys are going to that race stop by uh i'll be hanging out with jason so stop by and say hi and I believe that we got some. I got I got a seat reserved. We'll get you in there with um, Red uh, David Scott. He's got a trailer there. We're Mayfield's pitting, so we got some. We got some AC to cool us down. Um, oh, nice! Red's gonna hook us up. So if it's too hot, you know, we we got a place to go. And we have one one more thing that Larry Tom brought up earlier. I was trying to avoid it, but I'm not. Did Mason Templeman? He wasn't running our short course body. So we didn't get that win this year in short course for um, the high flow body. And uh, Doug apologized to me already. He, uh, Doug LaRiviere, he said that he's sorry he couldn't get that short course win for us to keep that winning body streak going. But um, I still think we're doing pretty good. I'll, uh, we'll see what the grand total here still is. Um, Hey, uh, man, I can't find it. Well, eh, oh well. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. It's over with. Done. All I right. So we, I think we were in the tw- in the high twenties, but you know we can always come back next year. We, I mean, we could win again, but you know we had a pretty good streak going. Cavalry was the other one that got us once. Uh, so Mason Templeman got us the other time. Oh well. <laughs> what are you gonna do, right? Yeah. All right. So we're headed into uh, the Mugen Challenge. Yep. So we'll see you there this weekend and uh, appreciate everybody for joining us again. And uh, we'll check back in after the Mugen Challenge for 254. See you then. Later.